Blythe Greenway Trail Tour. To begin this tour, walk to Bainton's Old Mill at the corner of Queen Street and Westmoreland Street. Before getting to the trail, take a moment to look at Bainton's Old Mill. Charles Bainton was a miner in Wales. He fell in love with the mine owner's daughter. They were married, despite the disapproval of her father, and the newlyweds fled to Canada. In 1894, three of their children, Bert, Frank, and Jane, founded a tannery and began to produce leather goods. The first building burned down in 1898 and was replaced by the red brick structure that still stands today. During World War I, Bainton's tanned 12,000 skins for soldiers' coats. In 1946, the tannery was processing 5,000 skins per week. Today, the family continues to operate a leather tannery, located south of Blythe. It is the last remaining leather tannery in Canada. The current building became a retail outlet offering high-quality wool and leather clothing. To the north of Bainton's Old Mill, find the Blythe Greenway Trail. Walk east along this trail while you listen to the rest of the tour. Stop at Housen and Housen Flour Mill. The Greenway Trail follows the path of the old railroad through Blythe. Patrick Kelly played a key role in the construction of the line. Kelly owned multiple businesses in Blythe and knew that his goods would not be competitive if he had to send them by horse and team to Clinton. In the 1870s, he approached the Grand Trunk Railway to propose an extension to Blythe, but the company was not interested. Kelly then traveled to Hamilton to pitch the concept to the Great Western Company, which had just built a railway from London to Sarnia. The Great Western Company was interested, but required an investment of $25,000 from municipalities along the northern portion of the railway. Local governments as far north as Wingham were on board. The summer of 1875 was a busy one in Blythe, with dozens of railway workers filling up the village and, during their off hours, drinking and causing a commotion. Still, the rail line got built. The ceremonial first train ran from London to Wingham on December 11, 1875. Politicians from contributing townships were on board to take the first ride, and so was Patrick Kelly. The politicians were treated to a special banquet at which Kelly was a guest speaker. By the following year, one train would leave Blythe along the line every morning, with another returning that afternoon or evening. The rail line was a boon for the Blythe economy. Edmondson Watson, known as Huron's Cattle King, used the railway to ship carloads of cattle from Blythe. The Gray, Young, and Sparling Saltwell shipped an average of five carloads of salt per day from the station. In 1892, there were reports that 23,000 barrels of apples had been sent from the village to markets as far away as Chicago. There was also a rutabaga waxing plant built here by businessman Russell Doherty. It was located on the north side of the train tracks, and there was a siding for the loading of turnips onto rail stock. Doherty was an inventor who built North America's first precision cedar, allowing rutabaga seeds to be planted individually instead of sown by hand and then thinned when the plants grew. Farmers from Bruce County to the north all the way to Exeter in the south grew the vegetable and transported them to Blythe to be waxed during the winter months. 
In the mid-1950s, A.H. Wilford worked with Doherty to create the Blythe Trade Fair in storage buildings at the Rutabaga plant. Wilford was the one who decided the lowly turnip needed a more exotic name to enhance its image and came up with Rutabaga. Wilford would come to be known as the Rutabaga King for his work promoting the vegetables across North America. Wilford traveled to Ottawa to give rutabagas to every member of parliament, and during a royal visit to London, Ontario, Wilford even gave rutabagas to the Queen of England. In the 1880s, the Grand Trunk Railway purchased the struggling Great Western Company, so they ended up owning the northern route they had originally turned down. On your right, you should see Housen and Housen Flour Mill. The first mill stood on this site in 1855, shortly after European settlers arrived in the community. Built by Joseph Whitehead of Clinton, it was Blythe's first grist mill. The establishment of the mill was a great relief for local farmers, who had been traveling 10 miles on muddy trails to Clinton to have wheat ground for their families. In 1866, the mill was bought by none other than Patrick Kelly. Kelly ran the mill himself before his son John joined the business, and the mill was named Kelly & Son. In 1892, the Kellys installed a 100-horsepower engine, which later also powered the generator for Blythe's first electric light plant, located at the mill. John Kelly was the only electrical engineer west of Toronto at that time, He invented a working automobile out of parts from the flour mill in 1883, four years before Henry Ford accomplished the feat. Dubbed Kelly's Contraption, the automobile featured iron artillery wheels. It made such a racket that it spooked horses into the ditches, so the farmers made him get rid of it. The original flour mill burned down in 1901 under mysterious circumstances. Many buildings throughout the village went up in flames at that time due to arson, including Campbell's Transport, which was world-renowned for creating quality axe handles. Town Council offered a $300 reward for information leading to the arrest of the arsonist, and insurance companies offered a $200 reward. Despite the reward, no one was charged. The old mill was replaced in 1902 by a structure dubbed the Great Mill by the local newspaper. The mill has been expanded and modernized over the years, but some of the 1902 structure can still be found inside the current building. Today, the mill makes pasta from wheat grown in the Canadian prairies. The mill grinds 450 tons, or 16.5 million bushels of Durham wheat per day. Walk back now if you'd like to, or keep exploring along the trail. When the Canadian Pacific Railway abandoned its line through Blythe in 1988, the village could have been left with an ugly scar. Local residents imagined a beautiful resource for the community, a walking trail that would run adjacent to Blythe Brook. The walking trail is now part of the Guelph to Godrich Trail. For now, a few bridges are out and there are some detours, but the vision is that you will one day be able to walk all the way from Guelph to Lake Huron and back without walking along a road. And it gets even better. This trail is now connected to the Great Trail, a cross-Canada system of trails that is the longest recreational multi-use trail in the world. 
Just like with the Guelph to Godridge section, there are some detours along roads, and work needs to be done. But you can right now leave from Blyth on foot and walk all the way across Canada to Tuktoyaktuk in the Northwest Territories. Thank you for taking the Blyth Greenway Trail Tour. For more local history, listen to the Blyth Village Life Tour and the Blyth Festival Tour.